Welcome to the Value Driven Brand Podcast, where you'll learn insights on how to communicate with authenticity, deliver genuine value, and create a memorable experience across your entire customer journey, helping your business become the sought-after leader in your industry. I'm your host, Aileen Day. Now, on to the show. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Value Driven Brand Podcast. I am your host Aileen Day and today, this very day, we are absolutely privileged to be joined with the one, the only, the man himself, Sean Spence, consultant to all people important in this country and even internationally. We are going to learn uh, the ins and outs of what Sean has been doing in his career and uh, he is going to take us through what he believes it takes to create your own value-driven brand. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's brilliant. Look forward to this. Oh, I'm so excited and I love that accent and for those of you listening in, you would be right, it is an Irishman's accent. Sean emigrated to Australia about 30 years ago and lives in uh, ye old Melbourne, represent, uh, where he uh, tries to sail and make ceramics, which I love. What a great little hobby between his work commitments. Now, Sean, for those of you who might not know, is a coaching executive, sorry, he's coaches to executives all around the country. He's been doing it for over 20 years and helping them through big career transitions. He's held an international career in London, Hong Kong and Australia, uh, but that was before setting out on his own. Uh, he was with Russell Reynolds, Reynolds Associates, uh, one of the major global search firms, and previously qualified with PricewaterhouseCoopers in London. Ooh, la, la, I tell you what, what a career. Uh, and then today we get to have him on our show. Now, he's not going to tell you, so I will. This man is the man who once, several times, for a period of time, used to consult to Peter Cosgrove. Peter Cosgrove. <laughs> Is it Sergeant General Peter Cosgrove, General Sergeant? Uh, generally, yeah. Uh, he was in charge of the army at the time and then yeah. eventually you know, went on to all sorts of interesting things. Now, the reason that I think that is so fascinating is because people look at uh, characters and, and people in positions like Peter Cosgrove and imagine that he must have all the answers when in actual fact even at positions such as the person in charge of Australia's armed forces, army uh, defence force, even they need a little bit of help. And Sean was the man to provide that help, which makes it even more special for us here today to listen to what it is that Sean has to teach us about creating a value-driven brand. So talk to me, Sean. How did you get to this point? What was it that got you through this amazing career? Um, 
uh, curiosity mostly. Um, I, I remember I, I grew up in Belfast and that was during the Troubles and I sort of knew that there was a big world out there so I wanted to go and kind of do it. So I didn't want to go and just uh, visit places I actually wanted to live in them. So I, oh. I had a chance to go to Hong Kong and I took it and that led to all sorts of interesting things. Um, and I, 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 because I work a lot with people on their careers and I look back at my own and I realize that at different points I was trying to, to do something and then I began to realize that I was actually trying to do something else, which is a bit bigger and then something else a bit bigger than that. And so each, each phase of my career has been an extension of the same curiosity, but then discovering what it was I was really more curious about. If you like. <laughs> that sounds like a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, curiouser and curiouser all the way through. But there, there was a point at which I realized that um, in headhunting your you're moving people from one place to another, from one role to another. Mm. And I became more interested in the person themselves and moving that person. And so I've been doing that longer than I've been doing anything else. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating that, you know, before you kind of move the person, you've got to move the person. Person, yeah. 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 I like that. Good one. Now, how many years have you actually been out on your own? digging for what it is that curiosity is leading you to? Yeah, well, I left home at about 18. And, um, but I, yeah, I've been, I, I remember the day when I walked down the corridor and saw my name on a gold plate that I paid for. The <laughs> 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 brass plate. Um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting because I've been in a nice big firm that was international, all the rest of it. So I've been, 1999, I went out on my own. Right. So you've been independent for quite some time now then. Mm, mm. We've just been doing remote learning maths. So remote learning maths has fried my brain this morning. So I'm just going to say it's been a long time rather than exactly how many years it is. <laughs> well, yeah, I was astounded when it got to 20, you know. But um, wow. but the thing is that it's uh, it goes in phases. So every few years you sort of say, what, what am I doing? You know, what, what actually is going on? You look down through the client list and you go, Oh, I must be doing that thing. It's sort of evolves all the time. Yes. And so that's part of what happens when you've got to, when you're driven by your values or by delivering value, you get, you get sort of pulled along. Mm-hmm. by what your clients are and pulled along by accidents, like ending up in front of the defense force. You know? <laughs> A happy accident, as Bob Ross would say. Yeah. I learn a lot. <laughs> the great thing about this profession and coaching and that is that you're always learning something from every interaction you have with a client, so that, that propels you along as well. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, I couldn't agree more with that. I think that's one of the best things, and we've been talking earlier about uh, you know, not niching and, and being, what did we say? What did you say it was? Agnostic? Agnostic. I'm agnostic to industry. <laughs> agnostic to industry, meaning that we work with any industry uh, and ultimately what we look for is the value set in the people in those industries and, and not the demographics or, or any of that type of kind of uh, precursors or information. And I think that is what also helps, like me personally, I learn so much that I would never have had the opportunity to learn how do I just niche to one industry. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes it easier for people to understand you if you've got a niche, you can say, I do this thing. But if you're able to say, I deal with this one situation, you know, mm. most of the time I'm working with new executives or new CEOs because that little cusp there is a terribly interesting point. You've got the job, now what? Now what? <laughs> <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> it's a real change of mindset. It's a real, it's a real some things get inverted, funnily enough, uh, from your, your previous role. In what way? Well, the to-do list goes, certainly one of my clients, the to-do list went from 140 small things to three really big things mm. and drove her nuts. So it was actually getting that and getting confidence in that, for example, it was one of the tasks that she had to, to do. Yeah, absolutely. And in the coaching realm that you take care of, what would you say is one of your favourite uh, kind of situations to, to dive headfirst into? I mean, mean the client situation or just... You know, yeah, the with first... clients. When they, when they say, you know, you've got 10 clients that ring up and which one's the one that you're going, you know what, let's get our hands dirty. Yeah. I think the best, um, the best sort of gig I got was um, a client of mine. I'd helped him prepare for getting a senior role and um, everything went haywire in the GFC. And then afterwards, about six months afterwards, he called me and said, right, guess what? I got the job yesterday. Can you be my coach? <laughs> and so it was, um, it was right in at the beginning. And the, those first, literally the first days and weeks are really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and would that be consistent across the board, no matter what the industry is? But generally yeah, well, speaking. It's, it's, yeah, it's a situation you find yourself in. Mm. Um, sort of, um, what me? <laughs> you know, I've suddenly got the job and I've just discovered what it actually really entails. And sometimes that literally does mean just discovering something so you get you get a role in the or a ceo role on the board suddenly delivers you something that they hadn't delivered to you during the interview process <laughs> that can be quite dramatic welcome um, to the deep end da, 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 da. well you've seen it actually i think on the news quite recently you know um a couple of ceos have been appointed say within the last, within the, any CEO appointed within the last six months to a year is suddenly dealing with the, the impact of COVID. Yes. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, you know, they hadn't had time to um, change the risk matrix to, you know, do a lot of the things that one might do to have prepared for that mm. um, longer run at it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a real test of a CEO. Yeah. Hope they got that crisis management plan sorted. Yep, yep. Call me if you don't. <laughs> uh, yes, there are so many interesting facets of that transition going from, you know, from a from a maybe like a senior manager to an executive that really no one has, well, maybe they have written the book on it, but there's no, uh, there's no really kind of rubber stamp, is there? Every, everyone's different situations are different businesses are different expectations are different you know talent is different uh, so to have an expert in the field like yourself uh, I imagine would make that transition much more comfortable or at least less uh, tumultuous than it would be without someone like you by their side 
Now, because you are the resident expert in uh, career transitioning and personal branding and business, I want to know what it is because this is the Value Driven Brand Podcast. What are, what are the tips and tricks that you would prescribe to our listeners on how they could create their own value-driven brand? Now, you and I have talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, uh, we actually have for the listeners today 10 tips and tricks that have been put together. Now, fret not because this wonderful man, understanding that humans need several ways to comprehend information, has also uh, agreed to put this into a document for me and we will attach this to the podcast. Uh, So when you uh, go to the podcast or go to Value Driven Brand and find Sean's podcast, this will be an additional resource for you to be able to go and refer back to. So make sure you do that. But 10 tips and tricks on creating your own value-driven brand. Sean Pence, consulting to the executives of the world. What say you? Well, good intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting good at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think the first, the first one that came to mind was um, just ask. Because, you know, we, I, I know for myself, I sit and I try and work stuff out and then I ask one of my clients and then I get a completely different answer. I'm, I'm probably 50% right, but it's, it's not just um, hearing whether you were right or not. It's hearing the client say the thing in their words, it would, usually with much more clarity. Mm-hmm. So, and the only problem with that is that they're saying something about what they value from their perspective. And you have to decode that sometimes. You know, what is it they're really saying when they say they don't want to spend as much time on it as they did before? Is that because they want to spend time doing something else? Or So there's, there's a way you need to decode what people are actually saying mm-hmm. based on where they're coming from. Yep. And that applies particularly for people who are in transitions, by the way, because your best friends will tell you what they think you should be doing, but they're talking from their perspective. And yes. there's a code behind it that um, what they're actually trying to say is something they can't quite put into the words you understand. So it takes a while. That is very true. What's the next one you've got for us? Oh, uh, be brave. <gasps> As yeah, Sarah Borellis yeah. would say, be brave. <laughs> well, I suppose part of the problem, I think, with um, overthinking branding is that it starts to feel like theatre. You know, I'm pretending to be a brand. Mm. And, you know, for men in particular, we'd like to say, well, I'm perfect and I'm invulnerable and I'm totally the expert and I know everything, so I can't reveal the fact that I haven't got a clue what's going on. <clears throat> so um, I find sometimes the best moments are when I've gone, yeah, no idea, actually. That's a really interesting problem. You don't have a clue and I don't have a clue, so something interesting is going to happen here. Let's learn <clears throat> together. Yeah, this is where my curiosity can get me into real trouble, of course. You know, but, <laughs> Does your um, curiosity get you into trouble? Well, like the cat. The, I'm not a cat. The, curiosity killed the cat, right? That's the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just occasionally you get into a corner where you probably shouldn't be. But, um, 
when you're in the service to a client or to a customer, mm. that wondering out loud, that sort of getting into a corner where you probably shouldn't be is maybe exactly the place they need to get to. Mm. You know, where you're, you're both wondering out loud and a creative moment comes up where you find a new solution to something, a new way yeah. of thinking about it. So, as I say, being brave and wondering out loud and revealing that you perhaps don't completely know, but you've got a way of edging towards it. Mm. That's that's what you're actually being paid to do. Yeah. I think I do that a lot. Wonder out mm. loud. <laughs> and that's why you that's why you've you've reflected yourself that part of the fun of doing this kind of work is that you're learning the whole time. Mm. Oh yeah. I've openly admitted that this podcast is just a selfish way to get to talk to amazing, awesome humans. <laughs> And learn well learn and things I was never going to learn otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's evil. <laughs> All right, hit me with your next one. Well, it, this is actually you know me doing that because the biggest lesson for me, which I've always had struggle with, particularly with the online stuff, is being consistent. Right. <clears throat> yeah, you know, just be be visible. Um, Part of the problem with a lot of the online stuff is you don't always get comments or feedback or um, anybody telling you what they thought of your latest brilliant thing. So just plugging away, keeping it going, being consistent with your with your content if you're doing a content type stuff, or just turning up at groups where you're a member. It's that visibility that keeps you in mind with people and yeah. um, that you then come to mind when they want to solve the problem they never thought they were going to have. Yes, exactly. And you walk away delighting someone who never expected to be delighted, which is so nice. Yeah. And you're, yeah, you're, you're there as yourself, you know, and revealing what it is like to be engaged with you, you know, including this stuff. Lucky <laughs> everybody else. Yeah. I did use that as a selling point to a potential uh, guest for this podcast. They said, what's in it for, for the guest? And I said, uh, the pleasure of my company. <laughs> Apparently that wasn't the selling point they were looking for. <laughs> well, this comes back to this whole question of, are we talking about value or money? Well, it's subjective, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, that's money be would be the outcome of delivering value. Yeah, and it, you've got to trust that process, right? So, and it's also it's value in the eye of the beholder, which may be exactly. intangible. So, um, I always get confused when I ask my clients what they think is going on when we're working because it always is a surprise. But it usually comes down to something like. Well, we end up thinking in ways I wasn't expecting to think. Mm. Uh, what's the value of that? <laughs> if you can tell me, I'd be delighted. But it usually means that they get comfort that there's another way of thinking that can lead to a new solution to the problem that they couldn't find by thinking by themselves. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, I said, I said to you earlier that, you know, I value clients who are open to critical thinking. So they might not be uh, practiced in critical thinking, but I would hope that after working together that they, if, if my client said to me, you know what, I 
uh, I realized that I've found a new way of thinking about things. To me, I would be thinking, awesome, I've done what I set out to do, which is to teach you to critically evaluate what you've been taught. If I tell you something and you go, eh, I'm going to do some more homework, that's critical thinking. That's not just blindly accepting, unless you're my son, then you must blindly accept what I tell you. <laughs> but even then, even he's become very good at critical thinking, questioning what I'm telling him. Yep. But to me, that would be a successful outcome for my clients to come back and say, you know what? Yeah, actually, I've learned a new way to consider things or to put things on the table and whether or not to take them off or keep them there. The flip side of that is you've got to recognize how terrifying that is. Oh, hugely. I never used right. to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when I encountered some people giving me the advice I really needed, it was absolutely terrifying. So you've got to, you've got to kind of be careful also about how you're putting your brand across. It needs to, it needs to not only feel safe, but it needs to be safe. Yeah. And that's where, as you mentioned before, the things like consistency and, and whatnot, people are going to get an, uh, you know, they're going to get an introspective feeling as to whether or not the, the work that comes from you grates them the wrong way and makes them feel unsafe or whether it resonates with them and they go, actually, yeah, I'm feeling what he feels. I'm getting what he says. I'm implementing some of his activities and things are working out. So I, in essence, to me, what that in my mind right now is, well, you're creating trust. Yeah. Trust is really important. And it's, um, you know, we, we work on the, on the balance between difference and rapport. And rapport mm. is trust. <clears throat> so there's a feeling like, okay, this, you know, this is going to be reasonably safe, but it's also going to be reasonably dangerous, you know, in the sense that it's going to be, it's going to challenge a worldview or an idea or a skill or whatever. Mm. Um, but that sort of leads to my fourth point, which I'll, I'll leave myself in there for you. <laughs> Look at him. Um, like he's done it before. And then it, it goes to the point of, uh, I was going to make about, you, you aren't always the solution. And you aren't always the one that can find the solution with them. So in the question of seeking to consistently deliver value, it's knowing where they can go elsewhere to find the thing they need as well. Mm. So onward referral to the right place. Yeah. Or getting to, to read the right resource or check out the right kind of YouTube that, that um, is an area that you know about, but you don't know. Mm. Example. So there's a <clears throat> the art of persuasion and influence. Um, Robert Cialdini. I'm reading guy. one of his books right now. Yeah, persuasion. I'm reading the really influence one. Minute, there's a good 15 minute um, RSA on YouTube, okay. which is the animated um, explanation. Mm -hmm. of, Explain of a video. Whole thesis, and that's a really nice little thing that gets people over the hump of thinking about what constitutes influence rather than, the, than their one track way of doing it. Right. I'll have to check that out. <clears throat> yeah. So what's the next one you've got for us? Uh, um, particularly at this particular time, caring works. So um, More caring that. is something that comes up in a, in a variety of ways. First of all, um, when professionals are in high, high intensity roles, 
I sometimes find that feeling cared about and feeling like you're caring about the people you want to care about through the system, through the profession, through the organization, through your role, if that goes missing, it, it flattens you professionally. Yeah. And it can creep up on you. So repairing that's really important uh, from a career point of view. But um, I think today, just especially with the Zoom driven world that we're in now at the moment, you can't, it's not so easy to spot how someone is. Yeah. So you have to be a bit more explicit about it. Actually ask, how are you doing? And um, equally, if you need a bit more um, uh, TNC, ask for it. Yeah. So caring is really important. And caring is going to be part, I think, more of how people detect whether your whether your brand and what you're putting forward as your brand is genuine and authentic. And as yeah, you say, safe. You know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I know you <clears throat> mentioned that there would be a, a number of uh, people who have transitioned from, you know, a, a, a senior manager to an executive or a CEO or, or whatever that is. Um, but in this period of time where there is no, you know, there's no handbook on how to deal with pandemics per se. No, but no. If, if there really was like one thing that I, I would concur with and say, to anyone running a business or in charge or leading people, you know, that, that point five caring, it has to be, it has to be intrinsically in you. You know, if people are becoming CEOs or executives because of their, um, their hard skills alone, to me, I think that's a, a bad decision because once you get into a position of leading human beings, if you can't be empathetic to human beings, then you're not the right person for the job. Yeah, this is, this is where I think the whole situation has caught a lot of people out. One of the theses I have is that um, the, uh, an executive role, particularly the CEO, is circumstantial. So there are usually three key issues that are driving the organization and the, the CEO's talents need to align with those, those issues. They need to be good at those, at dealing with those three big issues. I'm not talking about managerial skills. I'm talking about the big stuff, like dealing with the entire stakeholder group. Um, but I'm finding also that caring is a business driver now. Yes. So the hard driving, you know, um, technology or tech, technician driven approach mm. and miss the caring and um, you're not paying attention to that. You're liable to be destroying some of the assets of the business. Yeah, Being absolutely right. Loyalty, commitment, motivation, all of those things that actually drive um, yeah. the success yeah. of the business but also drive innovation for the future. Yeah. So unless you unless there's a customer at the end of it that you actually care about and they know it, your brand is being diluted. <laughs> Work on caring. It's yeah. definitely a winning, winning and method and to creating a value-driven brand, I promise you. People <laughs> are afraid of looking too caring because they think it makes them look weak or something like that, but it's actually the opposite. You've got the emotional courage to actually get there. Yeah. Um, it's really important. Yeah, and, you know, it's the old adage, like treat people the way that you want to be treated. 
Yeah. You don't want to be micromanaged or picked on by a bastard. You don't want to be considered unimportant. You know, you want your voice to be heard. Just do the same for the people that work for you. I once did a program. Um, it's, there's a massive, uh, the magnificent program called the Kralana program, which is um, essentially a, um, uh, a symposium where you spend the whole time examining the entire intellectual history of the Western world and a lot of the Eastern world. Wow. And it's more moral philosophy than scientific philosophy or anything like that. So really, you know, it was um, like putting a bottle brush through your brain, you know, it was really quite <laughs> a staggering thing. But at the end of it all, you know, all the moral systems in the world basically boil down to treat others as you want to be treated. And it's a caring such a basic human philosophy. <clears throat> yeah. Can we hold one second? Okay, so tell me about point six. What are we looking at? Well, it's you know it sort of relates to some of the other things I'm saying, but it it's very easy to feel like if you're the expert, you've got to have the solution and insert the solution. Um, particularly if the client's asking you for the solution. Yeah. <laughs> <But if> <laughs> You don't have it, you know, um, workshop it with right there in the moment. And I've, I've actually devised all sorts of really useful tools and approaches and ideas about things because the two of us have to work on a live thing that's going on. And um, it's a combination. I'm, I'm usually the other brain for the person that, you know, is there. Mm. So if, if they're very analytical, I'll often go off to the, conceptual or the, the practical and if they're very practical they'll often be conceptual uh -huh. um, so that means that, that we, we're seeing the problem from lots of different angles at the same time yeah and um, it's amazing what turns up and uh, this is where you learn while you're helping mm. and that's deeper and richer I think than simply providing a solution because usually that's coming off an experience somewhere else that the client can't necessarily relate to it you know Yes, that is such a good point, isn't it? Again, there's no kind of rubber stamp cookie cutter approach. You know, every situation, although at a high level might be similar, when you really break it down, it doesn't necessarily mean the solution should be exactly the same. No, this is where metaphor works. Metaphor is helpful. It's like something else. Um, but right now there's a lot of businesses having to do this in a serious way, you know. Mm. Um, reinvent the sol a solution and in fact sometimes break out of the industry they're in and find themselves in another industry yeah now that would be scary yeah it's, it's happening yeah there's there's some transition uh, uh, nightmares <laughs> <laughs> unless you've got Sean on your side then it's fine well it's, it's actually one of those little things where um it looks like this other industry is a completely different ship or boat or whatever, but mm. in fact, got the skills on board that match the skills you need over there. It's just, you've got them configured and shaped and set in processes in, in one industry that if you take the same capabilities and put them over here, they can run off really well. Um, but yeah, you might get a bloody nose in the process, but you know, it's actually, that's where we're at. We're at survival level for some organizations. Yes. And it's worth in ways it wasn't before. Look, to be honest, if the worst you walked away with was 
you know, a busted up nose, you'd be okay, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness me. So, number seven, come at me. Forget time. What? <laughs> yeah, I think there are two ways of being with time. I, I think I remember having this conversation with my coach about some people are, um, I think it's called in time, and so they're, they're conscious of every five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, they know their deadlines, but, but you know, they're working with time as a, a very um, consistent, lined up, regular thing. Mm. Um, but there's another kind of time where you're just in it and you've forgotten the clock because what's going on is too important to be measured by minutes. Mm. And so subjective experience of time can be very different from the objective measurement of it. And that happens in car crashes, but it also happens in really intense coaching sessions. So some conversations just have a natural length of time to reach their proper conclusion. So just a couple of times in the last 20 years, I've had four and five hour coaching sessions that were supposed to only last two hours, but they yep. were returning. They were the turning point. It was the work that needed to be done at the time. I've had a couple uh, of them. <laughs> other times, really important stuff has happened in 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important point that you make, that you need to um, let it run its course to get to the gold. Sometimes, yeah, because, um, you know, coaching isn't therapy where we're, we're oh, sort that's of where I'm going wrong. <laughs> doing a particular kind of task with a particular kind of model to it. Um, this is complex three-way problem solving. Mm. So when you're working with a person that's in a particularly serious role, you're dealing with them as an individual. They've got a role, which is not necessarily exactly the same as them, the things they've got to do. And the role is embedded in a system mm -hmm. and they all have, they all have pr make pressure on each other. So if you're ignoring any one bit of the system, you're not dealing with the whole thing. And sometimes time, you need time to be able to get around that circle. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. You're not actually fully present. Yes. And I think though, if you are fully present, then you might even find that time isn't really uh, a problem in the sense of if you're in there in the moment, you might actually hit the gold quicker than you anticipated if you were going into a situation and freaking out that you don't have enough time and therefore you're wasting your energy on concerning yourself with time as opposed to a solution. Yeah. So t time's actually got three aspects to it. One is, you know, that TikTok duration thing, which is. He's not talking about the social media platform, by the way, peeps. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about professional services firms. I used to fill in 15 minute checklists, you know, um, timesheets. And, um, but there's also a rhythm to it. So sometimes it feels like things are going quick and sometimes going slow. And the third thing is horizon. You know, the time horizon you find yourself in is, is really important to your well being and to the nature of your role. But if you're constantly worrying about it as a side issue, when you should be concentrating on the problem in front of you, it gets in the way. Yeah, absolutely. I have done that myself. And um, sometimes it's a yeah. little bit of a hard habit to break, but I like that time horizon scenario. I think 
it gives me this so kind of perception that of, I need to look further. Yeah, in terms of value, you see, you know, the people you're working with will notice you checking. <laughs> yeah. If your eyes flick to the clock, you know, that's terribly sensitive. They notice that your eyes aren't on them. You know, yeah. So that's a way of thinking about it. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm not doing that today. <laughs> End up, because you know, the sooner this interview is over, the sooner I have to return to helping my son with his maths homework. So, yeah. <laughs> take all the time you need. <laughs> uh, yeah, so in terms of, you know, value, that's, again, um, if you're valuing by a linear model of time as opposed to impact, then, yeah. then this is where it becomes an issue. Oh, that's so good. You can design your own impact. Hmm. So what's uh, what's number eight? Where are we at? Um, again, it's not only about yourself. So what? Again? <laughs> yeah. My yeah, dad I'm... used to say that all the time. Aileen, it's not about you. I'm like it should be. <laughs> well, it is. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be brilliant in the moment, but there's there's then a world outside the meeting or the the actual interaction that people have with you mm. and sometimes it's much greater value by connecting them to all the other people that are in your network so yes. interconnection, interconnection is really important um, and one of the fundamental tasks for all professionals is to expand their network um, well actually I don't like the word network I prefer community yeah so it's about helping people meet like-minded people and if there's a reason for somebody to meet we'll make them make it happen yeah yeah, absolutely. And that might be completely nothing to do with the the ostensible task you've got, you know. Mm. Yeah. So there's certainly generosity of spirit involved with that. Yeah, and I think that that's such a good point as well. That spirit piece, you know, you will get out what you put in when you are involved in communities or networks, and you know, I've experienced a couple of situations where, you know. People flourish because they're all so giving and in return people want to, you know, it's actually discussed in that influence book, that uh, influence of reciprocate, can't say it. (laughs) But we want to reciprocate the help that we've been given consciously or subconsciously and, um, you know, and that spirit thrives in, in the right communities and, you know, if you can get yourself involved in one of those, then, you know, your career, you know, the sky, the horizon is the limit, really. Well, that's it. And when people are looking for um, for mentors or, um, you know, greater connection, um, it's worth remembering that a community is like, for me, a community is defined by um, unrequited gift giving. Right. So I'm giving you a gift and I don't have to have something in return because I mm. trust that it will come around the other way or it already has come around the other way. Yes. And I want to pass it on. So that's almost the definition of a community. So, you know, giving, giving gifts and, and getting them is part of what makes a community hum. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing to witness as well. Mm. Oh, we're up to number nine. Penultimate. Ultimate. <laughs> What's number nine? Um, one of the things about a value-driven brand is you, you actually go through a lot of work and try and understand what the value is, and sometimes it gets very um, self-centered. So, 
again, it comes back to asking what are the different kinds of value that you can generate? Um, and don't discount the ones that you don't value for yourself because um, it's really about what's valuable for other people. Of course, yes. It might, it might shock you. You don't necessarily need to put a dollar against it, but it's well worth being aware of um, the value set that you have um, to offer. <clears throat> different people will take that in different ways, and that's really important to, to understand. And if you um, were to what I affectionately call crock brain me, what would it mean, the value set? What does that mean? Sorry, say again, what's the... Crock brain means speak to speak to my lowest part of my brain. Uh, I mean all the different things say... you think are valuable. All the different things you think are valuable, like right. my time is so valuable, my brilliance yeah. is so valuable, my knowledge of a particular area is so valuable, my worksheet is so valuable. <laughs> right. Um, it cuts two ways. Clients might think that your worksheet is brilliant and absolutely indispensable, but don't value your time. So mm -hmm. be careful about what you're assessing as the value and just keep checking what is really important for the other person, the person you're supposedly caring about. Yes, exactly. The person you're actually there for, <laughs> other than yourself. <laughs> That's helpful. I like that one. Now... <laughs> The piece of resistance, the finale. Well, it's sort of the dark side because, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. What doesn't um, I've work? Had a few, I've had, um, had three occasions in the last 20 years where it just really was not working. And it was like, oh, uh, what the hell's going on? A couple of them I sort of knew it wouldn't work because um, one of the problems in coaching is if somebody's allocated, it doesn't guarantee it's going to work. Yeah, of course. Um, but the, the other one was really interesting because we, we actually got somebody in to help us figure out what was going on. And she had said, well, look, you know, it's pretty obvious. You're both too similar. Oh. So we were actually using the same words. We had similar values. We had sort of a similar um, way of thinking about a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. not, enough, not enough grind, not enough difference to produce yeah. the spark or a new yeah. idea or a challenge. Um, and maybe I lack the courage to actually be different enough. And, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. Um, but there's an amazing amount of value in saying, wait a minute, we're, we're talking around, this has got boring. You know, when it gets boring, that's usually something's going on. Yeah. Um, or if you're going around the same thing, you know, a few times and you're hearing yourself saying the same thing and you're hearing the other person saying the same thing and you're not really arriving at a different destination. Um, step outside the process and look at the process. Yes. So like a meta process of saying, is our process working? Yeah. What's, what's not working perhaps? And a lot of uh, rich stuff can come out of that. Yeah. Or you get fired, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think in, um, you know, in, in what we do now, independently coaching, uh, and in essence, I, as I grow into my business, I am learning to uh, work with people that I love instead of anyone just to get the money. You know, yeah. when I very first started, I took any job and every job I could and I was very much a 
generalist in what I would offer. So your point about maybe you're not the solution. I try to be the goddamn solution to everybody. And I tell you what, it was fucking exhausting. Yes. Right. There you go. There goes my not, not safe for work word for the day. Sorry, yeah, iTunes. But yeah, it is. It's exhausting. And it's, You're not in your right energy. Yeah. Absolutely. And as you just said, it's about having that courage to go, actually, you know what? We're not a good fit. We are going around in circles. We're mm-hmm. not arriving at a different destination. Let's assess our process. Well, the process is rigid and or flexible, but it's still not coming out with the outcomes that we looked for. You know what? Maybe we're not right for each other. That takes courage to admit because you don't want to... I see it personally that I've potentially disappointed someone because I've not been able to provide them with the help that they need. But as I get older, a little bit wiser, a little bit more educated by the experts, the people that have been there before me, I realise it's not that I'm disappointing someone, it's just that I can't be the solution every single time. And Mm. that's okay. But what's not okay is denying that and trying to continue going around in circles because it just wastes their time, it wastes your time, and there's better things to do in life. Well, <clears throat> so it works It works in this one-on-one stuff, but it also works as, as, a, as a leader in an organisation with a serious role mm. uh, because you can do this in a workshop with a bunch of people you've, you, you, you think are great and you've got their expertise, but you may have misdesigned the room you may not have you may not be in the right room with the right whiteboard and there may be one person one way of thinking that's missing in the room right and if it's not working you have to sit back and think who do we need to wheel in and um sometimes it might be a really junior person who just has got a different take on things Um, yes so it's one of the things that's emerging now as well is that you need if you like circular leadership you need to be surrounded by lots of different ways. You can't lead everything at the moment yourself as a leader. is too yeah. complicated. So yeah. you need different perspectives. Absolutely. I always, um, I actually use that as a bit of a selling tool myself is the fact that I uh, am like the junior, you know, in an industry, in a, in a business, in an industry, because multiple times I've had the opportunity to, take on a role uh, or take on a client and I've been up against potentially someone in their industry who, uh, for example, a home builder client of mine uh, was looking at myself for a coach and another coach who specialised in home building or the industry of home building. And I said to the client, well, look, I'm going to throw it out like this you could get somebody to come in and doesn't understand the home building industry and is going to ask a lot of questions uh, and make you consider what you do. Or you can get somebody who's going to come in and tell you how to build a house, but you already know how to build a house and they're not going to question you the way I'm going to question you. So in essence, what I'm going to do is I'm going to act like that junior who has no experience, who sees things a little bit differently. 
And in essence, what ends up happening is because I don't have the experience that they all have, exactly that happens. I open yep. their eyes into so many things that they just take for granted. Oh, that's just, we, we've always done it like that. But why do you always do it like that? Well, you see, that's, that's where you're dangerous and scary. I'm so dangerous, people. You either love it or you fucking hate it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's very I'm polarizing. One look at me and go, yeah, 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 no, and get <laughs> disappear over the horizon. I have been told in previous previous roles before I went and worked for myself that I do ask too many questions. I said, do I ask too many questions or do you just not like being questioned? Well, that's a good question. Isn't it? And yeah. I said, there you go again. There is that thing now. I think that things are so complicated, it's highly unlikely one brain's going to solve it. Absolutely. So, and getting complimentary people in the room is, is so important. Yeah, for sure. And I really love that, you know, that throwaway line, go get the junior. I just got images of these CEOs walking out into the office floor and going, right, who's the newest kid here? <laughs> getting him by the back of his chair and pushing him <laughs> into the boardroom. <laughs> no, no, seriously, I, I, I think one of my favourite questions for people beginning the strategic cycle is to say, so who's the, who's looking like the most promising of your, um, your graduate intake from like three years ago? Mm. Why aren't they in the room? Because that person is going to live this strategy in five years time. And they're going to think about it very clearly in terms of the impact on them. And it'd be a good perspective to have. Now that kids is a great question. I love it. So good. Mm. Do you know what I've also realized? I get so excited by the information that the amazing guests on this podcast deliver that I have realized in my own self-assessment that I say I love it a lot and I'm about five episodes away from creating a I love it drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just if use you're it to yeah, coin for the moment be all right, you know. <laughs> Every time I say I love it, you're going to take a shot. No, don't. You'll be shit-faced by the end of the podcast. But <laughs> that just goes to show how many awesome insights and what a wonderful education that the experts on this podcast deliver us. And uh, for that, I am eternally and truly grateful and as I did say before, you know, ultimately it's just a selfish ploy to uh, expand my knowledge. So, yeah, so you've far, of, you've done all the hard work of setting it up. Delighted it's working. It. I know, right? But that's that's the small price I pay. Mm. <laughs> now, those ten points. I know that's a lot to take in, but if you are listening, Sean is going to provide that information into a downloadable document. So when you go onto valuedrivenbrand.com, that is the website where all of these podcasts will be available, the video will be available, so you can see Sean's lovely smiling face as well. Uh, he will deliver to us a downloadable PDF for you to take that information back and refer to it as you need to because that, my friends, is some goddamn gold 
in them their heels. So I implore you. I got told I nagged this morning. I said, I don't nag, I implore. So <laughs> I implore you when you do visit valuedrivenbrand.com to also download Sean's PDF for your own resources. Now, if you are a CEO in transition or if you are on your way to, uh, to the top job and you are loving what you hear from Sean, you can also visit Sean at his own website, which is seanspence.com. .au. .au, thank you. So seanspence.com.au and there are a multitude of ways for you to get in touch with him from there as well. And the last thing I'm going to bring up is, now, for those listening, you will know by now that I ask all of my guests to produce to me one song that gets them ready for anything. Now, I'm not even going to pronounce this because I'm Greek, not Italian. So I don't want to do it any injustice. I don't need any Italian people writing into me going, you messed that up. You malaka. Actually, that's Greek as well. But, I, you know, whatever. International standards. What is the song... Mr. Sean Spence, that gets you ready for anything? Well, ages and ages ago, I, I bought an LP. Um, I mean, I, I like classical music. I used to play the flute, and I always loved lots of classical music. So I got an LP of Madrigals by Monteverdi, and this one has stuck with me since the 80s. And it's called Zephyro Torna by Monteverdi. And there's a brilliant uh, countertenor called Philippe Jaruski, who won the um, Grammy Grammy for this kind of this stuff, uh, the total Grammy, not just the classical one, uh, a few years back. Um, so Zephyro Torna, and it's just a beautiful depiction of um, in the music of the hills and valleys and the winds and the zephyrs of wind, um, <gasps> while somebody's pining for his love. Oh. I'm so glad I didn't try to explain that. I'm so glad you did. Well, you might not be aware, but all of our guests who submit a song that gets them pumped up for anything, that song is being added to a a playlist, a Spotify playlist that will be available at my website, valuedrivenbrand.com. And where you find this podcast, you'll be able to download the playlist. And every guest so far has added their own song that gets them pumped up for anything. So, Sean Spence, it is my privilege to add your song to that playlist. Can I just say it is getting to be one of the most freaking eclectic collections of music (laughs) I know I right. say this every week, but then every week someone else adds an even more random or different genre of music. It's amazing. Spotify are going to be doing their analytics going WTF. <laughs> yeah. Who is this? <laughs> You've got a composite personality on Spotify. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, 
it will be added to our Spotify Spotify playlist. And I want to say thank you for all of your amazing insights into how our listeners can create their own value-driven brand. And thank you so much for joining us today. It has been my absolute pleasure. You're a goddamn champion, Mr. Spence, and I can't wait to do this again one day in the future. I've got another song, by the way, so we'll have to do it again. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hello. I, you know what? I've decided that we're going to have to uh, do a follow-up session on Twitch and uh, make it a free-for-all where people can come and join into the chat room. Brilliant. Yeah. And they can ask their questions while you're online. That would be amazing. That would be fun. Yeah. I'm locking you in for that. Till next time, thank you so much for listening. It is always our pleasure to bring you these amazing tactics and tips and tricks. And I hope that we will hear from you, see you, make sure you subscribe, click, like, engage, join in. It's uh, where the fun's at. And until next week, make sure you go out and create some value for someone in your life. Till then. Thanks for listening to the Value Driven Brand Podcast with your host, Aileen Day. Is your business struggling to become known as the sought-after leader in your industry? Access our Value Driven Brand Quiz and special three-part podcast series to identify the gaps and what you need to focus on first. Go to www.valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. That's valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. Tune in next time where we discuss more ideas on how you can deliver your own value-driven brand.